Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode two of the Take It or Leave It podcast. This is the uh, post-NBA draft, pre-NBA free agency podcast. I am here tonight with a special guest host, Calvin, joining us for episode two of our broadcast. Calvin, what's going on? Calvin? Yes, can you hear me? Hey, Calvin, what's going on, bro? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the air, Justin. How's everything? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, Ready to chat up some NBA stuff with you, man. It was definitely uh, an exciting week last week, right? Oh, yeah, from the trades to the draft itself to all the trades on draft day, trying to figure out who was picking who. Uh, it was definitely pretty interesting. One of the most entertaining draft weeks, draft nights, I remember in the last couple of years. In a very, very long time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, just wanted to go over some ground rules for those of you who might want to call in. The number to call in is 646-564-9820. You are more than welcome to call in at any point in time in this show. Give us your thoughts. We're going to be talking uh, Knicks, Celtics, Lakers, uh, everything, everything from draft night uh, to the trades. So if there's anything you guys would like to share with us, you're more than welcome to call in. Our only one rule is that we always keep it respectful. We keep it clean. Please refrain from using any curse words or anything like that. And uh, we're definitely going to have a good time. Again, the number is 646-564-9820. And Calvin, he has a podcast of his own. Calvin, how about you let them know about your podcast? Oh, sure. So I have the Patience Space podcast. It's an NBA podcast. We talk about a lot of topics like the topics we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, it's usually me and uh, my friend Leif. We, uh, we chat it up. Uh, we post it every Friday. Um, you can find it on SoundCloud. You can go to soundcloud.com slash Reporter. That's all one word. Or you can go to iTunes and you can either search by Pace and Space Podcast or by the Sideline Reporter and you should be able to find it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, they've been doing a great job. You've been doing a great job, bro. So I advise everyone out there looking for a good podcast to hear. Basketball, definitely check that out. You can follow us as well. Uh, Calvin is on Twitter, at CalDan384. Right. I'm on IG, Mr. Underscore J-Rod with two Ys. Twitter, at JSmooth0412. So definitely uh, check our stuff out. We look forward to you guys joining us in now. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. So we're going to talk about draft night. Uh, there was a lot of things that led up to the draft night. So we'll actually start with a few trades that were made before the draft night. So the first trade that we will discuss is the Celtics, who had the number one pick in the NBA draft, actually trading down to the number three slot. So now the Sixers moved up to the one slot, but it cost them a future first-round pick. That pick will either be next year's Lakers first-round pick um, the pick is protected, number one, and anything after six. So if that Lakers pick falls between two and five, then the Celtics will have them another top five pick next year. If not, then the Sixers will give the Celtics Sacramento's pick in 2019. So that was definitely a way to shake up 
um, the NBA draft week for sure. And as a Celtic fan, I'm not too sure how I felt at first, but I was okay with it because I understood that, you know, if it gave us another asset, perhaps that meant there was a bigger deal. Um, either Paul George, Butler, either of those two guys, neither of those two deals actually panned out. So it actually turned out to be a little bit disappointing on my end. But mm. the Sixers did take that first pick. So, Calvin, what were your thoughts on that trade? I mean, I thought it was great for the Sixers. They needed a guy like Markel Fultz. They needed a, a top-end point guard. They needed a ball handler. They haven't really had a guard. This whole time they've been building this whole process, they've, they've had no guards to build that process around. So they got the guard now in Markel Fultz. You know, he can play. He can play the point guard. He can play off the ball. You know, if you want to run the offense through MB, through Simmons, he's somebody that can still score in those in those types of uh, offensive sets. So I think he's a great player for them, and, and they finally got the guy they needed. Um, for Boston, it was very interesting. Uh, I, I personally felt like they should have kept the pick. I mean, this is what everything was building up to. This is This is what was so great about the trade they had made with Brooklyn when they gave them Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry to have these assets so that they could – eventually have a shot at drafting the best player available in a draft while also still competing in the playoffs. So I, I thought they should have kept it. I, I really don't see the, I, I really don't see how there's more of a log jam for someone like Markel Fultz in that franchise than someone like Jason Tatum, because yes, they have Avery Bradley, they have Marcus Smart, they have Isaiah Thomas, but all three of those guys are coming up for contracts I think next summer, if not the summer after. And when you look at the sm- and when you look at the front court, when you look at the forward positions, everyone that they they had their eyes on either is a small forward or could play small forward in Jimmy Butler, who who we'll get into now, who's on the Minnesota, Paul George, and then in free agency trying to go after Gordon Hayward, like all these guys are also small forwards and then you have Jalen Brown, who he could play the two, but he's really a small forward. And Jay Crowder is a small forward, small ball four. I know they said Jason Tatum can play the four, two in small ball lineups, but I feel like it was a similar, uh, there was similar congestion either at, in either guard or forward spots. And in that scenario, I think, I think they should have just took the best player available. Yeah. I, uh, there was one point, you know, we're in that, that same chat, and I had said, listen, I really don't think that IT is a part of the Celtics' long-term plans. I really yeah. thought that Fultz was that guy for them. Uh, clearly, I'm not sure if it was something they might have seen, but there was a reason why they backed off, and I'm not too sure if it's because they thought that they would make that big trade, and, you know, that trade didn't pan out. So, you right. know, we really don't know for sure. Um but I, I I did think that Markel Fultz would have been that long-term guy. Uh, IT is going to be 28, I think, when his uh, contract is actually up. So, you know, I didn't think that he would be worth that max deal. Um, so I thought that they would go young and have a guy like Fultz play with him for one year, kind of, you know, show him the ropes a little bit. Um, but they didn't go that route. So they definitely... 
they definitely, I wouldn't say shocked me because with Ains, I'm never shocked. And uh, he definitely did gain that first round uh, draft pick. But like a bunch of these guys say, you know, you cannot continue to stockpile all these draft picks unless you flip them for something else. And um, Butler, you True. Know, I thought that we would have been that, that team to grab him. Um, but we kind of have to live with this pick, which we'll get into, but I'm okay with the pick now. I wasn't at first, but uh, we'll discuss that in, in a bit. So the second trade that I wanted to discuss with you actually involves your team, which is the Lakers. They made a deal with the Nets. How about you talk to us about that trade? What were your thoughts on that? Man, I went through several different emotions when I heard about that trade. Right, right. Uh, at first, I, I was I was upset. Then I was like, oh, you know what? That seems like a fair trade. Then I remember Brooke Lopez's contract's coming up in the summer. So then I said, okay, well, this, this is kind of a salary dump trade. And I didn't know how I felt about it. But at this point, you know, for better or worse, I have to kind of just wait and see what, what Magic and Rob Palenka do with, with this roster and with this, with this organization in the next couple of years. I was okay with them drafting ball and keeping D'Angelo because I felt like you could move D'Angelo to the two guard and they could play together. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, if it was a scenario where, where they didn't feel like D'Angelo was willing to share the ball, was willing to do that, and they had their heart set on drafting Lonzo, which wasn't a bad pick at all. I think that was the right pick. Um, then, then you have to weigh your options accordingly. I, I think they might have, tr- and they might have been trying to see if they could get by with maybe just D'Angelo Russell for Paul George. But those trades, probably, those trade talks, probably didn't, they didn't work out for Indiana. And then they know they have to move the contracts that they have in Mozgov and Dang in order to have not necessarily cap space for Paul George, but for another superstar to pair with Paul George. So in that aspect, I'm like, okay, well, Russell, even though he is their best, their best talent to date, although I think upside Ingram is the better talent at the same time, he was the he was the player at the one position where they knew they could they could replace immediately in point right. guard. So, right. so it was a scenario like, well, we don't want to give up Russell, but we know we have to give up something good to clear the space we need, and we're going to replace him immediately if we draft Lonzo Ball. So, you know, they ended up doing it, and then they you know they got they got. Brooklyn, one of Brooklyn's picks, along with Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, he's going to be a nice stretch five for them this year. I think, right. you know, him playing with Lonzo and um, Ingram and those other guys, I think it's going to be really good. He's a, he, he's a good veteran for those guys to play around. And, and you know, he's a California guy. So yep, maybe, that's true. You know, maybe everything all works out well. Um, maybe there's an opportunity for him to stay with the, with the team after the, this season. For the you right know, price. Yeah, for the right price, of course. Um, and and if that is able to happen, like if he's willing to take a deal maybe so, similar to like what his brother is making, something like that, maybe it'll work. If he's looking for Max, then that's probably not going to work. They're probably going to let him walk so they can keep that cap flexibility. But right. he he's not a... 
he's not a good he's not a bad guy to have this year, especially we don't have Lakers don't have their pick at all in two thousand eighteen. There's nothing really to rebuild for or tank for or, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing to try and do on that end. So you might as well get as good as you possibly can, especially if you want to keep yourselves in Paul George's line of sight. You're going to have to stay right. competitive. You're going to have to stay interesting. You know, you have to give them a reason to want to go there. Exactly. Exactly. So you you compete, you know, maybe you try and get to being like a 30-win team, 35-win team as you currently stand, you know, Randall, Clarkson, Ingram, those guys, they take a nice they may, maybe they take a nice bump up playing alongside somebody who can take some offensive pressure from them in Brook Lopez and somebody who might be able to make the game easier for them in Lonzo Ball. You add those two pieces, maybe everybody starts seeing a little bit of an uptick in their in their production, and we look a little better. A second year under Luke Walton's um, direction and coaching, and another year familiar with that system, and with a point guard who, you know, I love I love D'Angelo, I love his scoring ability, but I think Lonzo is going to be that much more of a playmaker and facilitator for these guys. For sure. And, you know, you you add those pieces together and maybe we're looking like a team that's on the come up now. Maybe we become a team where the way people started talking about, you know, Minnesota a couple of years ago and right. how they started talking about Milwaukee, you know, maybe we become a team in that vein, you know, not really com- contending, but, or even making the playoffs per se, but, but look, but looking good and looking like you're building towards that next level where you get that one or two, superstars on your team and and then it's all set you know for sure yeah I definitely I I definitely like the trades for both sides I would say I thought it was very fair um especially for for the Nets Brooke it's obviously his last year on his deal next year so at least they get something back and what they got back was a young guy um who was a top five draft pick and he can definitely help that Nets team, who's also trying to find themselves as well. They're also trying to rebuild in their own right. So uh, there's definitely plenty of time for him to play there. And I definitely think that he'll play extremely well. Um, and also for the Lakers, it cleared the way for Lonzo Ball. I know you said that they could kind of play uh, side by side, which is true. Um, but now he's completely that guy on that team. So I thought it was fair for both sides and uh we're gonna welcome in our first guest now calvin okay hello yo what's good Justin? dave what's going on dave how's everything it's me and calvin here dave i'm I'm good what's up cal what's up we're just uh talking about the draft night last week uh i know you as a nick fan you may want to share your thoughts on that nick pick talk to us (laughs) um well, I think initially, um, you know, as well as a few Knicks fans, I can't speak for all of them, but I know for most of them, uh, I think they were kind of hoping for a more prestigious uh, league, I guess, a collegiate league, like a league month. But then it's the next one we're more familiar with. But it turns out that uh, we ended up getting French Nelly Kingdom, French guy, French kid, and. Um, you know, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what he's got. I mean, I wasn't too proud, but at the end of the day, you know, he's a Nick. And, uh, you know, as a Nick fan, we're going to have to just embrace it and give the kid a chance. 
That's a very, very good take, Dave, because we know what went down a few years ago when uh, Knicks got KP. Everyone was a little bit too quick, a little too quick to to boo and get upset, but he definitely turned out to be uh, the best pick for that team. So I definitely think it's uh, it's best for everyone to just kind of have that sit and wait. Uh, he's a young guard. He's six foot five. Um, you know, he has a seven foot wingspan. Um, so I, I think that that'll definitely help that Knicks team for sure. Yeah. So let me ask, let me ask you something, Dave. If you if you're still there, um, with this pick, with this pick, um, do you think as a Knicks fan, do you think that with this pick, it signals to you, hey, we're just starting the process right now of getting back into contention? Um, I don't know of getting back into contention. I think you know it's it's basically giving us an identity. I think so. Yeah. Trying to establish a certain style of basketball because if you look at the, the picks that he selected, <laughs> they're your own basketball players. So I think he's basically trying to develop a certain identity. Um, right. They say your players, you know, that they're real uh, fundamentally sound and they're real skilled. And, you know, all mm-hmm. three of these guys are two-way players. So, you know, that's I true. think that's the route that he's trying to go on right now. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and see if it works. Right. Well, what I meant was by taking um, by taking Frank Natalikina, French Frank, that's what I like to call him, um, <laughs> by taking him, you know, he's super young. He just turned 18. And while he seems like he has a lot of talent, it's clear he's going to have to, like, maybe take a couple years to kind of become the player he's being projected to be, you know, especially since he's coming from, uh, you know, a EuroLeague, transitioning to the NBA, things like that. So, so this isn't something where like if you have got if you had gotten like maybe like a Malik Monk or Dennis Smith Jr. fans could have been like all right this this kid could put like 15 18 points up rookie year like you know let's go maybe we can make some noise this year whereas you take Frank now now it's kind of like well everybody let's let's wait let's give this kid some time so as a Knicks fan does that like signal to you okay we got we got to wait a few more years before we can see where we're going. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do feel that way. Um, right. I think it's going to take some refining, like you mentioned, and with that is only going to take time, you know. So, you know, I think everybody, you know, for the most part, initially, you know, felt that way. They felt like they, you know, if they can get like a Dennis Smith or a Monk, who they have, uh, they show them signs that they come from a pedigree, or at least for certain Monk does pedigree that's closer to the NBA, to the NBA game, mm-hmm. probably, we've probably been, you know, starting this whole, you know, foundation a lot sooner than, you know, what we're going to do with waiting on Frank Nelly to develop, so, I mean, let's see, let's see what happens, but, you know, he's a Nick now, so I'm going to just embrace him and just hope for the best, I can't wait to summer league. Right, man. Nice, I Dave. Hear you. Dave, I definitely, I, I know you have to ca- kind of leave soon, so I just want to ask you one more thing, real brief, if that's cool. No doubt. Where does, where does this leave the Knicks with D Rose? Do you guys resign him if it's the right price, or do you give Frank complete reign uh, to have that start starting job? Uh, um, D Rose, I don't know. I'm not really sold on him. Um, I guess it depends on what his price is. I mean, it had to be significantly cheaper than, you know, what he made this season. 
But, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, you know, D. Rose, he's at a point in his career where he has to try to, you know, win or take a back seat to help a contending team. So, you know, I don't think right now at this point, uh, you know, he's the best fit for us or we're the best fit for him. So I think that, you know, he should consider all his options before even, you know, thinking about returning to us for another season. So, but, um, but yeah, that's basically my take on that. Um, on a side note, with regards to Phil, um, I know right now, you know, New York, for the most part, they are unhappy with him. And, um, you know, he's made decisions that have warranted that. Um, you know, I'm one of the few Knicks fans who look at the whole situation as, um, you know, I look at the positives. I don't try to focus on the negatives, even though there's plenty of negatives. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm grateful for the youth that we have. And I just hope that, you know, we can just build off of that and, you know, eventually restore New York back to the prominence that it once had. For sure, bro. And uh, I definitely – I definitely appreciate that call, Dave. Uh, you're a true Knicks no fan for sure, and we always want you on the show, bro, because we talk in Knicks all the time. So we appreciate that call. Thank Good you, stuff, bro. Dave. Thank you, bro. I appreciate stuff. it, man. No doubt. Keep doing your thing, man. It's a great show, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Thanks, bro. Have a good night at work. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Later, Dave. So there goes Dave with his take, and um, that Knicks pick, Definitely was an unconventional pick. Um, I'm sure it wasn't what Knicks fans were expecting. But as Dave said, you know, you leave, you have to leave that kind of trust. You have to uh, wait it out a bit, see what the kid becomes. He's definitely a work. Um, he definitely has to work on his game a little bit. Um, he mentioned some things about Phil as well. So a lot of, a lot of talk about Phil. A lot of talk about Phil. Once again, the number to call in for those of you who are listening, feel free, 646-564-9820. Definitely call us in. Let us know what your thoughts are. And, uh, yeah, Knicks fans Knicks fans uh, are definitely at that point where they're waiting, you know, and it's been a long time. Not a long time. They, were, they won 54 games in 2012, but it's been a long time since they've been, you know, uh, successful in a much grander uh, scale. So, um, you know, Phil is here. He's Mm -hmm. here. He's here for two years. You know, whether you like him or you don't, he's here. Some Knicks fans like him. Some Knicks fans don't. But at the end of the day, as a Knicks fan, you really have no choice but to stand behind him, stand behind the team, and really just hope that, you know, he makes all the right moves for this team. Yeah, you know what, Frank Frank Ntilikina wasn't a bad pick. I mean, especially when they were talking about perhaps trading Porzingis and then drafting Lowry Markinen as a replacement earlier in the week. I think right. for it shaking out where you you kept Porzingis and now you drafted a point guard, which you needed a point guard. It, it wasn't it wasn't a bad pick. Uh, you know, all things being equal, you know, Frank he could end up being better than Monk or Dennis Smith Jr. He definitely has tools that, that, that they don't, like his his height, his length, his versatility, his athleticism, those are all things he has a, a leg up on Dennis Smith and um and Malik Monk on. I mean they, they are probably both more NBA ready than 
than uh, Natila Kina is, but you know they're also a bit older too. And the only thing he's know he knows as far as professional basketball is the French league. It's not even like he's coming from playing in Spain in the Euro League or anything like that. He's playing from he's playing in a French league, so he's he's got a he's got a, a, an uphill battle. But it could end up being the it might end up being the best the best player available in that spot. If you look at it, you know, three or four years from now, the problem is you got to wait three or four years to see if it it comes to fruition or not. Now, as a side note, the NBA award show, the first annual NBA award show is currently on as we are on the podcast. So the first category of the night was rookie of the year, which went to Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks. And right now they just announced the sixth man of the year is Eric Gordon from the Houston Rockets. So we'll constantly give you guys a few updates in regards to that. We have another caller right now. Hello. Hello. What's going on? Mike? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Who's calling? How you guys doing? Hello, how are you? Listening to you guys. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? I like the topics you're coming up with, guys. Loving the the sports talk here. Thank you. You're listening to Frances and the Mad Dog. How's it going? (laughs) How you been? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, before anything, I want to ask this question. Why does the Rockets have two six-man nominees? Because Lou Williams is really the Lakers' six-man. But he was so good on the Rockets, they still kept him as a six-man candidate. Mike, Mike, that's a very good point. For those of you that don't know, because we didn't catch his name, this is Mike calling from the Bronx. Yes, Mike. Um, oh, Sophia's in the background. Tell Sophia that we want yeah, to. Yeah, sorry. She, want, she wants to fill in, too. She's got good questions. <laughs> She's a depressed Knicks fan with me. Oh, sorry man, I'm so sorry. To that. bored to that. It's, it's, it's okay, bro. Yeah, uh, Lou Will was on the Lakers last year, definitely did his thing as a six-man. And uh, the Rockets made that trade uh, for nothing because he helped. But I don't know what's wrong with that team, but that's a whole nother talk. Um, but, yeah, that's a very interesting point, Mike. They had two six-men up for the award, and Eric Gordon was the one that won. Right. Mike, I have a question for you, Mike. Yes. As a, as a Nick fan – what were your thoughts upon hearing that the foundation of the franchise, Staps Porzingis, was possibly going to be traded last week? Um, upset, but as well not surprised with this regime because it seems like we love to trade away talent. <laughs> we love to tw- trade away talent. It's nothing new so far with this. New York Knicks team, but yeah, if they, ahead, Mike. if they were to trade him, even though I wouldn't want them to, I was just hoping that they truly had a plan besides just trading him. Like, what 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 was their motivation besides just trading him for not going to a meeting? Right, that's that's a really good point. You know, a, a lot of folks thought that. Uh, Phil just did that to kind of scare him um, 
you know, I I don't really agree with that. I mean, we're we're not twelve. You know what I mean? Like, you can't scare these guys. This is truly how they feel. You know, if this is how KP is, this is how he is, and. I'm not sure if you can change him now, you know. The Knicks have gone through a lot of things since he's been there. I know he's not too thrilled um, with some of the things that they have done. Uh, So I can understand how he feels. But at the same time, too, yes, that is your boss. And when your boss calls you in, whether you like your boss or you don't, you meet with them. However, I do not think that it warrants you having to trade him. Because this is a team that this is the only promising piece they have. So if this is the only promising piece you have, why would you be so quick to trade him? So what I would have done was, listen, I'm not on the inside, so I don't know, but I would have tried to reach out to him. I would have tried to rectify the situation inside the house as opposed to now going outside the house, um, saying that you would trade him, and he, he didn't really bash him, but he definitely said that he was displeased, Phil. Phil said that he was displeased with the fact that he wasn't there for the meeting, which I understand. So I can see both sides, but mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have tried to even think about making that trade, being that this is the only piece, and this guy has potential through the roof. I know a lot of folks will say, oh, he hasn't peaked yet, and some will say maybe this is all he is. We truly don't know. But for a team like the Knicks, who right now doesn't have much, I would truly value a guy like KP. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, but, yeah. mind if I jump in on that real sure. quick? Sure. Hey, hey, Mike, this is Calvin. Um, I, I had a couple thoughts. One one thought is, you know, I agree with you guys. Um, You know, I, I'm, I'm – I'm a Laker fan myself, and and I'm and on my show last last third on last Friday, the Pace and Space podcast. We, I was talking about Porzingis and Phil, and I brought up the scenario the Lakers face. They faced that scenario, a similar, or not even similar, a worse scenario, twice. Um, you know, Jerry Buss he dealt with Magic Johnson demanding to get traded. He dealt with Kobe Bryant demanding to get traded. They didn't even skip the exit interview. They went to the media and said, "I want to get traded." And he, right. he approached both those guys. He was the owner. He, it wasn't even like he was the president or the GM. He was the owner. And he stepped in. He spoke to those guys. He talked them off the ledge. He got them back on board, you know, and they did big things after that. So I, I agree. I mean, I think a, I think a, I think a nice, a simple face-to-face one-on-one resolves a lot of things going on. You know, Przingis is only 20, 21 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. how he feels right now. That that might not even be how he feels six months from now, you know. Right, right. I think there's a way to I think there's a way to work all that out. So that's that's one side of it. The second side of it is me personally. I don't even really feel like the issue was was looking to see what you can get for him per se, because you know if you like if Phil was able to get what he was asking for, like let's say he was able to get that trade from the Suns he was looking to get, that's a good deal, and it's good value. You know, if you can get, like, Devin Booker and another pick for somebody like Porzingis, you got to do it. But the problem is he was never going to get that deal because everyone already knows that there's beef between him and Porzingis. But if he does get a good deal, what are you showing the person that's coming to the Knicks? 
you're getting rid. You already badmouthed your star player, Carmelo Anthony. Well, right. That's then the now problem. with Cor- with Porzingis, which Porzingis was wrong. He should have went to the meeting, but at the same time, Phil Jackson was wrong as well, taking he, out the laundry, the dirty laundry, out to the media. Yeah, he he, he was did it worse with Carmelo. Than, he, that was worse than Porzingis skipping the interview. What Phil did. Yeah. So it's like you could have just put to the side. Hey, Phil Jackson should have just said, you know what, I'm gonna speak to Porzingis. Maybe mm-hmm. another day we'll talk. But right. I guess he wants to show his alpha matter in that sense that he's the boss. Right. And he just threatened that he's gonna trade Porzingis. And then I saw on the internet years ago on an exit interview, Shaquille O'Neal did the same thing. No one said anything about it. So right. I just it's just it's just baffling a little bit because then you're telling your star player this. But then you br- you want to bring people in. What what? How are you selling the product of the team to others? They're gonna think that okay. What if I do it? Exactly. Are you gonna do the same thing to me? Are you gonna trade me as well? So it that's ridiculous. It becomes a revolving door. Yeah, that, very good point, that's, Mike. The, that's the main issue to me too. He he's not encouraging future stars to want to play for mm-hmm. the Knicks. Um, yeah. You know, and that's why I said like in a vacuum, if you if you're trading Porzingis and you great and you get great value, that's one thing. But if if you're looking to trade your players because there's obvious rifts between you and them, that that's not going to work because – and then with Melo's case, Melo's plugged in. You know, his best friend is player of the Basketball Association. His other best friend is vice president of the Basketball Players Association. He was, he was the captain and leader of the Olympic team last year. So all those young stars that were on there, like the Rosen, Cousins, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all those guys respect Melo as a leader, and they see how somebody they respect as a leader is being treated by by their own franchise. That Melo doesn't have to say one bad word about the Knicks; they could get their own feelings about the Knicks just from how they see their boy Melo getting treated. Right, right, absolutely. Listen, Mike, we thank you for the call. We're gonna welcome in our next guest. Uh, we might talk about a few more things on the show, so definitely give us a call back. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, good night, Mike. Take care. Thanks for calling. Hello. Hello. Who's calling? It's your boy, Martin. How y'all doing tonight? Marty Mar. What's going on, Martin? How's everything? Good to hear from you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm watching this uh, NBA Awards show. So far, so good, huh? Yeah, it's like a good high school award show. Like great production. I don't try too hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see that Dirk is on now, but I'm not too sure what he had won. He won Teammate of the Year Award. Oh, oh Teammate of the that's Year a, Award. That's a new award, right? That's new. Well, Vince Carter won it last year. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So this is the second year, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Uh, statue so is pretty interesting. Helping his teammate up—that's funny. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Martin. Oh, hey. We've had a I'm lot of. Look at Kerry uh, Washington. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a lot of uh, Nick fans call in. We've had a lot of Nick talk. Uh, but now it's about that time. We're going to turn our attention to you. Previously, we discussed about that uh, D'Angelo Russell and Brooke Lopez trade for the Nets. Give us your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, simply, I think it's, it's a, a great way to get young talent in, a number two pick overall. 
um, there was a press conference from, from him today at Barclays, and the Nets were very uh, generous in giving compliments and their, their honor and respect to Brooke. But they also said that this is an opportunity for them to continue to grow and develop a culture of young players. So I'm excited for the future. I think I think we could have a good season next year. I think it just one or two, you know, smart signings free agent wise, and I think we'll have a decent season. I don't think people will. I think a lot of people will be surprised what we do next season. That's what's up, bro. And I know you guys uh, with that draft pick. Talk to us about that one. You got you. Let a big go, and you drafted a big to replace him. Talk to us about that. You know, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know much about Jared Allen. He wasn't even on any of my um, my little mock draft list players. He was nowhere on there. Right. <clears throat> when they made the pick, and I looked at him, and I was – I just, you know, eyeball test. I was like, whose grandpa did they pick? <laughs> and then uh, – you know, when I when I started reading up on him and I looked at what he what he was projected at initially at Draft Express, eighth pick overall, and for some reason he fell a little bit short. I guess some of the Euros climbed up, some other players, you know, stepped up a little As bit always. in pre draft camps, but but he's he's got yeah. He's only nineteen and he's as raw as he is, he's got amazing potential. You know, he's got a decent vertical for a six eleven, seven foot guy. Um he's and he seems to have a, a very good basketball IQ. And, uh, you know, the Nets apparently really wanted him, too. They were happy that he stayed where he was for them to pick him. So I was happy with the pick overall. I'm happier with it now. Once I've seen, like, highlights of him playing, you know, we won't miss a lot down low. You know, he, he rebounds, he defends. So he may not be the offensive machine that Brooke was, but he's only 19. And give him right. five, six years development, you know, training, weight training. He could be something special. So I'm happy. I'm happy with him. Calvin, yeah, he's a good pick. That was, I mean, that was good value. That was really good value at the pick he was taking at. Um, you know, like like you said, uh, he was projected to go in the lottery, fell down to 22. So can't go wrong with that. Mm-mm, you can't. So it feels pretty good. You know, things are looking up. Hopefully it stays that way. Now, I have to admit, Martin, as a Nets fan, oh. I know it hurt a bit to see that uh, they gave away their first-round draft pick. But for you to still come out of this draft, you know, with a positive mindset, that says a lot about you as a Nets fan, which I always appreciate and respect. Um, so you guys are definitely on the come up. You guys have a lot of young guys, too. And I actually will say, I do think that that pick we own of yours next year, I'm hoping we trade it because I don't think that it'll even be a top 10 pick. So um, that's kind of the good note for the next team. Man, I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I know, I know. That way too, but, you know, you, you can only control your hopes. You can't control injuries, trades, bad decisions, but – you know, there's always hope. If you if you wait around long enough, life is cyclical. Goes around, comes around. Now, I know you also had some uh, some some thoughts. Uh, if you wanted to share about Phil, we just spoke about Phil and the KP trades last week, and what could have been. Um, what was on your mind when you heard about some of those uh, trades around KP? You know what? I'm gonna say this. I think that if he was anyone but Phil Jackson. 
I think there's a larger margin of error, a larger grading curve. I think he's, in many ways, he's his own worst enemy. And I think that if he was the vice president of player personnel or whatever title he holds with the Knicks, if he was that for the Memphis Grizzlies or uh, another, you know, small market team, I don't think people really get on it as much. But New York, especially with their media and in a lot of ways the fan base, there's a higher sense of criticism. I do think For some sure. of the picks he's made have been decent. I like I like uh, uh, the kid with the name I can't pronounce. Not Porzingis, the other guy. Hernan Gomez. The kid who's Hernan Gomez. Not Hernan Gomez. Kuzminski. Twenty eight. Kuzminski. Yeah. Kuzminski. Whatever his name is. Yeah. I think him. <laughs> Hernan Gomez. I think those guys have a lot of potential, a lot of upside. So and the key is drafting. drafting guys that we can't pronounce their names. <laughs> yeah, that's his success. I, I, do think, I do think that the whole Carmelo Porzingis thing was mishandled. He didn't have this problem when Shaq missed the exit interview because Shaq was gone the next season. He was a free agent anyway. All right. I think, I think that he, he needs a buffer where he can – in my opinion, gauge younger players, a different generation, better. Yeah. Well, also, too, back in those days when he was the coach, he would, he would anger his players. It would be like – it would be the GM or the owner or the president, whoever it was, that would calm these guys down after he pushed their buttons. But now he's the guy who's supposed to be calming the players down and he's pushing their buttons. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it, it, look, you, you know what? Winning cures everything. If if they work the situation out, if they still have Melo and KP going into the season, and uh, French Frank, as you called them, Calvin works out, and they win games, then what do people remember? They don't remember the fiasco. You know, hopefully in New York, it, the winning outweighs every everything else. I know this because I'm on the other. I'm in the same boat. Same ocean, just a different boat. Everybody, whenever they mention the Nets, brings up the trade and no draft picks. And we feel good right now, but eventually people are going to bring up the trade again later. So it, it, it's a mixed bag. You gotta you gotta like ride these things out and hope that Phil knows what he's doing, big picture, because he's he's been around the NBA long enough. He's won championships. He's implemented a system that no other coach has been able to implement correctly. So he, you got to give him some type of credit, but he also has to take a little bit of lumps his way as well for how he's handled certain situations. For sure. Martin, we thank you so much for your call. Uh, we really appreciate that Nets fan point of view. We don't receive it that much, but when we have it, it's great. So thanks a lot, bro. Appreciate it. Yo, we, we exist, man. There, there's a lot of us. There's at least a few of us, more than 10. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, keep up the good work, y'all. All right, take All right, care, bro. Later. All right, we're going to welcome in our next guest now. Hello. Oh, uh, yes, how you doing, man? What's going on? Who's calling? Hey, how you doing? My name is William. How you been, man? Hey, William. thanks for calling in, William. How's All right, everything? Man, now, no, I was just calling, man, uh, you know, like in regards to our comments about Phil Jackson. I'll tell you like this. I mean, as a guy 
who lives in New York City but is not a Knicks fan. It's a situation, you know, obviously the New York media is always looking for a story, number one. Uh, number two, you know, a guy like Phil Jackson brings a certain aura with him from what he was able to do as a head coach. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, just like the uh, previous gentleman said, you know, I, I think he's done a good job uh, in drafting players. But I think the thing, the two things that have hurt Phil Jackson the most uh, during his time uh, with the Knicks, number one, the money that he has spent on veteran free agents, and, you know, number two, his mouth. And actually, it's actually three things. It's his mouth and also the fact that he's married uh, to the triangle. And the reason why I bring that up is this. You look at a guy like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is not suited for the triangle. And the thing is, Phil Jackson went out there and gave him that extension. Nobody, you know, forced Phil's hand in doing that. He went out there and did that. And now he wants to trade him. And it's like, you know, he can't get rid of that contract. And I think, you know, him, you know, publicly criticizing Carmelo Anthony last year, basically going out of his way to try to make him, you know, wave his no-trade clause, that was bad for business. Yeah. you know, I, I mean, the bottom line is at the end of the day, it's the Knicks because we saw it this year, where, well, this past season rather, where they ticked off Kristaps Porzingis to the point that, you know, he, you know, he failed to show up for his exit interview. And I mean, I don't think it was a big deal. I mean, you know, the general no. before he talked about Shaq, you know, not showing up. But I mean, Shaq, he wasn't a free agent. Shaq got traded from LA. That's but, right. I mean, I I mean you look at it with the Knicks, though. You got a head. You have an owner, a team president a head coach and a star player in Carmelo Anthony not on the same page. So, I mean, right. h- how's it going to happen? And honestly, going forward, like like I said, Phil, like I started off, Phil Jackson has done a solid job in drafting players that mm-hmm. fit that triangle system. But my biggest thing is this. If you are a star player or a decent player around the NBA, why would you want to go to the Knicks after the way that they treated Carmelo Anthony this past season, exactly. and then on top of that, how they treated Charles Oakley and literally threw him out of the garden. And, I mean, yeah. all jokes aside, Charles is not one of the best players of all time, but he's one of the greatest Knicks of all time. And, I mean, right. the fans embody that. So, uh, I mean, that's the Knicks in a nutshell, and I don't see it getting getting too much better for them anytime soon. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you completely. The The problem, first and foremost, is the airing of dirty laundry, like you said. The the way he chooses to interact with the players, um, I just don't think it works. And it's not even so much like uh, the times have changed too much. I, I just don't think in the role he's in that that's the way you interact with the players. You're, he's not a head coach anymore. When you're a head coach and you want to like try and – turn the screws to get the most out of your players, that works. You know why it works? Because the owner, the GM, everyone else is 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 placating that player to make him still want to stay there. But when the GM or the owner, whoever it may be, they're the ones turning the screws on a player, they want out. That's it. They don't want to deal with that because you're you're supposed to be a, in a position of power and you're you're basically – putting yourself in a position where you're giving that player like a no-win situation. Right. So, right. you know, it, it's it's not as bad, but it kind of reminds me of when, like, Donald Sterling was heckling Baron Davis from the yeah. sidelines. You know, it's like, what what is the player supposed to do at that point, you know? 
and what what other player is going to want to go and, and, and join that kind of situation. If it's the coach doing it, you know, you're with that coach every day. You're in practice every day. The feathers are going to get ruffled, but you know what? It's a different relationship. And also, too, worst comes to worst, the GM, the president, or the owner, they'll get rid of that coach, and they'll yeah. bring in a new coach. But, but it, when it's somebody at that level of power and when the owner is co-signing every, everything that he does, then you're in a position where other players are like, nah, I, I, I'm not down with this. Right. Well, and, uh, you, you, you know, they also tend to say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And my thing with Phil for a long time has been, hey, you know, if you'll be stuck in your ways, then you really cannot be a success to this team. And my problem is if you go out and you say these things and you bash these guys, whether they deserve that or not, you're immediately giving off red flags to anyone else who may want to play with this Knicks team. And listen, the Knicks, they play in New York. They play in the garden, the mecca of basketball. And you're turning everybody off to come play for that same team. It just doesn't make sense. And it's very, very annoying that he continues to do these types of things. And you know what? I mean, they've come out and say, hey, He'll have to deal with it for the next two years because they do not plan on firing this man. Dolan has said, I'm going to live up to my end of the stick, and he's going to stay for the next two years. So, unfortunately, this is what we have. Well, I mean, that posse that, that posse comment that yeah. you made earlier yeah. this year, you know, and it got under uh, the skin of LeBron James and a lot of people uh, around him as well. So, obviously, that didn't sit well with folks either. I think, me personally, I think that um, – Dolan's trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been criti- he's been criticized a lot before, you know, for hiring and firing guys rather quickly. So right. I think this time around he's going to try to give Phil, you know, as much of an opportunity as he possibly can. But all jokes aside, I think Phil's two biggest mistakes since he's been with the Knicks, number one, you know, making Derek Fisher his head coach because you figure he did that primarily because Fisher played in a triangle. But Derek Fisher didn't have any previous head coaching experience. No, and he didn't none, have zero. Any previous assistant head coaching experience. He came straight right. from a playing career, and you saw his lack of his lack of maturity. Right. You know, come up when he was missing practices because he was trying to fly back from California from being with uh, Matt Barnes's girl. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I mean, there were stories going around that he was trying to go after a girl who was involved with Tim Hardaway Jr. who was playing on the Knicks at the time. And then I, I think, just to piggyback off of that, Phil took it a step further last, uh, this past, last summer, rather, when he brought in Joe Kim Noah for four years at $72 million. They made the trade to get Derrick Rose. They picked up Brandon Jennings. Mm-hmm. And I told people, I'm like, listen, if you're going to tell – if you had told me the Knicks had Carmelo, Brandon Jennings, Joe Kim Noah, and Derrick Rose – Five years ago, I'd have been like, okay, I got something. But it was just a typical Knicks thing. You know, you're overpaying guys who were past their prime. And you, you saw that this year with Joe Kim Noah and Derrick Rose. Derrick yeah. Rose went AWOL to go back to be with his son. So Right, right. It's the Knicks, man. <laughs> I mean, the train wreck, the train wreck's been going for years. People here still, still talk about the finger roll with Patrick Ewing in the mid-'90s, you know, John Starks in the 94 finals. I mean, all those times that Michael Jordan did it to them, the Isaiah Thomas run. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not a Knicks fan, but, you know, it ain't getting better anytime soon. No, we hear you. I mean, I'm not a Knicks fan either, but I'm a New Yorker, so 
it, it's it's better. The buzz is better when 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 these teams are doing good because you know it gives you something to go. It gives you a game to go see locally. You know, it gets gets your excitement up a little more for the season because people are excited around you. It, you know, even if you're not a Knicks fan or a Nets fan, it's still good to see them good if you're here in the city. Right. Totally agree, man. Yeah. All right, William, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it, man. You can call back anytime. We're on every single week, so we appreciate the call. All right, thanks a lot, guys. You have a good yeah. one. Thanks a lot, Will. Take care. All right, now we're going to welcome in our next caller. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Who's calling? What's up? This is Jonathan Baez, man. How y'all doing? Mr. Jonathan. Baez, pleasure to have <laughs> you on Baez himself. What's going on, bro? <laughs> chilling, man, chilling. How y'all doing tonight? Doing good. Not too bad, man. It's been a great week of basketball. The finals is done, man, but it just keeps getting better and better. So uh, we yeah, definitely appreciate that. And uh, so everyone who's calling in so far, we're asking their take on uh, their teams on draft night and what they've done. So, you know, I'm going to get directly to you. I haven't spoken much about it as a fellow Celtics fan. What's up with that third pick, bro? Talk to me. Oh, well, um, this call got too green for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's a heel of money, you know. That's, that's our color. But, um, yeah, you know, I was happy with the pick. I know a lot of people were anticipating that being traded. They'd be involved in some type of trade for Jimmy Butler or speculation and a possible package still in for George. You know, don't get me wrong. I like both of those players. I would be very happy to have, to you know, to have had Jimmy Butler in green or – hopefully have for George and Green, um, you know. But um, I like the guy that we got. I got with Jason Tatum. I think that he has, a, a, you know, offensive game that's going to continue to grow. He's going to be able to make immediate contributions, you know, um, to the, the ball club. The thing I'm just most concerned about is, you know, the fact that we traded, you know, everybody, you know, who's in the lottery, they want to win the lottery. And we won the lottery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you get that number one pick, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on you at the same time to go ahead and, you know, it's almost close, usually it's close to, uh, you know, can't miss. And right. the fact that Danny Ainge felt that there was, the guy that he wanted was not the the same person that was, you know, heralded by the general consensus, and he felt he could still get that guy at three, that, that's going to be a, something that is we're not going to know the ramifications of that for some time, but that was a big risk, you know, by him. And if that doesn't play out and Fultz turns out to be that dude that's like a franchise changer for, for Philadelphia, then that's going to forever tarnish his legacy, in my opinion. A self-experience is going to forever lament not taking Fultz. But if right. Tatum turns out to have a good career, a solid career, and Fultz is, you know, in my opinion, like closer to Andrew Wiggins, a guy who's solid, but not a superstar, not a, a franchise defining player, at least not yet. Right. right. Then I think that uh, you know, it'll it'll favor Angel's decision to go that route. So I'm happy with the pick, I'm happy with Tatum. Um for sure. and you know, that's how I feel about it. Okay, yeah, now on. for so, for my no, I got access. I got I got access. I got access. I'm sorry. Oh, here comes the follow up. Here comes the follow up. Seeing seeing what happened with the Minnesota and Chicago Bull trade, where Minnesota got Jimmy Butler for Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, 
the number seven pick. Not just got yeah. Jimmy Butler, but got Jimmy Butler and the number sixteen pick. Yeah. And and you guys were sit, you guys sat there with the number three pick and, and took Tatum. You guys know you could have beat that, and you didn't. <laughs> so, um, yeah. wouldn't you rather have Jimmy Butler than Jason Tatum right now? Okay, so to answer that question succinctly, yes, I would rather Jimmy Butler than Jason Tatum. I'm not going to say no, I'd rather. No, I would rather Jimmy Butler than Jason Tatum. Just because Jimmy Butler is a proven player, he's still on the contract, and when added to the core of our team, then, yeah, you know, you know what you're going to get with Jimmy. So, but the reality of the situation is we don't get Jimmy Butler without giving up part of that core just to make contracts match. So if we did that same type of trade, but you swap in a Celtics assets as opposed to what Chicago gave up. Chicago gave up a lottery pick. They gave up a starter. And then they gave up a, a, a last year's lottery pick, right? A, a you know, future young player. Right? Essentially three lottery picks. Yeah, well, essentially. But I, I'm only I'm not going to count Zach Levine because, you know, it's been a few years since he's been dropped. Yeah. So if we do that same trade with the Celtics assets, number seven is number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Dunn is Jalen Brown. And then you have your choice. The starter is most likely going to be either Crowder or Avery Bradley. Maybe Crowder because Chicago says, well, we don't want a guy who's going to be a free agent in a year who we're not going to resign anyway. So when you look at it from that scope, that same trade costs us a lot more because what? of the type of players we're giving up as opposed to what I feel uh, Chicago, uh, what Minnesota gave up. You well, know? Do you but, think but, you have to give up all of those same things? Like if you're giving up the number three pick, that's a, high, that's a better value than number seven. I, so, and I agree with you. I feel like, though, that teams – well, there is a situation where teams look at the assets we have and they feel because we have those assets, we're going to overpay. And I think the position Ains is taking is, you know, yeah, you know what's in our bank account, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to spend $200 for something that costs 100 If it costs right. 100 and that guy's going to pay 100 I'm going to pay 100 But I'm not going to pay 200 just because I have more money than him. You know, right. and so I think that's the position that Ains has taken. And He's shown that he's not going to give up on that. You know, we've been rumors about us acquiring Jimmy Butler going back mm-hmm. to last year's draft, you know, before, before we picked up Jalen Brown. People right. were booing Jalen Brown's selection because they were fans anticipating, once again, we were going to trade for Jimmy Butler. So, I, you know. I, I'm, I hear you, but, but I just want to I just want to throw may, out may I just give? I'm sorry. I'm just going to jump in real quick. I just want to give my take about that before you guys go, go on to the next point. So my take on Go that ahead, is this. <laughs> um, there were reports that Ainge wasn't even involved in talks with this Bulls team. And when I think about it, I think the reason is they are banking on Gordon Hayward to wear Celtic green come July 1st. So mm-hmm. if you're banking on him, now you don't have enough cap space to get a guy like Butler who will – Get max, uh, get get a max deal. Horford, who's on a max deal, and also it, who his contract is due after this year. It would be virtually impossible to keep all those guys. So I think they went the cheaper route, knowing that they will very likely get Hayward 
come July 1st. So I think that's the reason why Ainge wasn't even involved in the talk with the Bulls. Yes, it did upset me. I was kind of upset because I'm like, why is it that the Wolves gave up what seemed like a 50-cent bag of chips mm-hmm. and we could have given them the dollar bag of chips? You know what I mean? Yeah. But when I think about it from the um, the cap, uh, from, from the way that the cap is now, and especially that the cap went down, it was expected at 102 mil, and now it's 99 mil. So it would have been very, very hard for them to try to navigate um, around that cap change, and I think that was the reason why they didn't even go after him. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like the cap coming down has played a big factor in the course of action. And then, I, I mean, to me, it might even impact whether this the Celtics even get Hayward. They, if they, if they, it's gonna be between like giving up additional guys that are part of the core in order to, you know, get the cap, you know, or get our salary to a situation where we offer Hayward the max. You might have to consider like knocking on the door of a guy like Blake Griffin. Who is gonna is obviously a, another coveted free agent, which is a door I don't want to knock to take, on, by the way. Right, and I, I'm a little hesitant too. But you might come back. That's be a no knocking less than that, Max. But yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> get no. I'm, Blake's not going for any cheaper than Gordon Hayward is gonna go for. I I That's think it's a possibility because the question is his injury. I'm hearing that Blake might be injured all the way into December. Like, he may not be able to to, to start playing again until December. It's hard. I really feel like, yeah, there's going to be somebody who might offer him the max with the cap going down and people kind of leery of, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has not only injury concerns but also character issues. I mean, it punched out a guy, you know, part of the, the, the training staff. Part of the team. You know, right, part of the team. So there's a lot of concerns with Blake Griffin. He may not be, like, the, the guy that people are begging to throw a max contract at, and especially a five-year deal. They might be like, well, I'll give you a three-year deal, you know? I mean, uh, otherwise his best option might just be to stay in L.A. I don't know if L.A. is going to offer him the most money if they really want to keep him. And part of that has to do with what Jerry West thinks is the best course of action for that right. team now, right. you know? So the, the, that's changing things. That, that's factoring in, too. Obviously, I would love to get Gordon Hayward. I would love to get Gordon Hayward and then be able to trade to bring in Paul George. I feel like whatever you got to do to make that happen, you do. Um, At that point, you but, absolutely do it. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely do it. But, you know, right now, I'm also very happy to not have to read any more Jimmy Butler to the Celtics trades and rumors <laughs> and stuff. Like, I'm glad that ship has sailed. I think that, you know, the, the Minnesota has a nice team that they're going to be able to put together. I really hope Zach Levine recovers because I really like his game. And, you know, and I hope that he's able to bounce back from that. But at the end of the day, I got to think about the Celtics. And, um, you know, we didn't get Jimmy, and it kind of sucks. But also, too, the other thing that concerned me about Jimmy was the, the personality. He had no problem, you know, making it very clear when he was just squeezed with his teammates. And he felt like other guys was not playing. He would, you know, make it very public in press conferences. It was very clear, the issues between him and Hoiberg, you know, and chemistry. we got a good thing going on for our ball club. We've had guys like Gerald Wallace and other dudes who were, you know, had issues and didn't have any problem vocalizing it, you know. So I don't want any type of knuckleheads in my locker room that's going to affect our chemistry and our ability to win games. 
Right. And I, you know, the I don't know how that's going to be with Jimmy, but that's not our problem anymore. We don't have to worry about that. I I think the Jimmy Butler stuff was a byproduct of how dysfunctional the Chicago Bulls are as a franchise. Personally, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, even this trade, this this trade was garbage for the Bulls. I don't know what they plan on doing with with, with the trade that they just pulled off. And then they gave their they gave their pick along with Jimmy Butler, like yeah, the number sixteen. Right? If the, I don't if the See, that's, if the Celtics made that trade, they would have still had a lot. They would have still had a basically a lottery pick because they would have picked 16th in that deal. And I, so I don't know what Chicago's doing. They're a mess. They they keep, you know, they they have given all of the the power to Hoiberg. Like they believe in Hoiberg even over a superstar like Jimmy Butler. And I don't really know where that faith comes from because Hoiberg didn't have any NBA experience until he came to the Bulls. He was a college coach. Um, so it's very, now that they got, now that they got rid of Butler, I guess now, you know, they're going to see what Horberg can do. But now that you, now that you traded Butler, you've kicked that count, that, that can down the the road for another four years before you're even looking at being a a playoff team again. So, uh, you know, Bulls, Bulls are out the picture. Ain't no point talking about the Bulls. Right, exactly. Ain't no point talking (laughs) about them. Now, now, one more thing about the uh, C's first. There was a report out there a few days ago that said that the uh, Celtics had a deal in place for Paul George, but it's dependent on if they sign Hayward first. Now, they did mention that this deal, this trade, would come with Paul George signing a three-year extension. Now, this sounds too good to be true in my eyes. I mean, I really don't know what's what at this point. There's so many things that fly around every day. But, JB, if that's the case, I mean, we really have to pull at at that point, right? Like, you have to make that deal. Yeah, you definitely have to do it. I mean, there's a lot of ways, and this is why, you know, these teams have these cap experts. I was reading something, essentially, where it's saying that, you know, if Paul George, you know, they they would find ways to to, – like with the extension is to to restructure his salary so that he he would be actually making more than if he waited for free agency, you know, because right. of owning his bird rights and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm no expert in the cap. But, yeah, if you get a situation like that where somebody is kind of like Paul George is going to be willing to agree, first of all, uh, you're getting Paul George. I mean, this dude is a top, you know, 10, top 15 NBA player. He's an amazing talent super versatile and plays both ends of the floor. If you give him some extension, definitely you got to do whatever it takes. You're not even you're, you're one. You're keeping him from your primary cap competition in the Cavaliers. So you kill all that much because if he goes there, then that's I don't think the Cavs are good enough to beat the Warriors even with Paul George. But it's definitely they're definitely a better team in my opinion, and it becomes that much more difficult for you to get past it. You know, as Celtics, also. But even better than that, as you keep him from the Lakers, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, so that that's definitely something you want to do. You know, so I mean, whatever Ames has to do to make this happen, I feel he has to do it. Um, you know, as much as I would never admit it to some of my Nets fans, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this pick with the acquisition right. of D'Angelo Russell. My gut tells me there's still going to be a lottery team. But you don't know what's going to happen in free agency. You yep. don't know what's going to happen with some of these other teams, like how the Bulls are going to be now. So they might fall out of the top eight. And, you know, like a lot of stuff can happen in the East. 
So, it, you know, you already won. It's kind of solidified the fact that you, you know, made that trade back in the day. And if you flip a pick for Paul George, whatever else you got to flip, then in my opinion, you, you know, you've validated your, that trade. You've made it a success. You've drafted young talent and flipped one of those picks into a superstar. And that's, that's what you do with those type of assets. You know, you use some of them and you spend some of them. You know, and so Ains has to get it done. And I don't care what he has to offer at this juncture to get it done. He just needs to get it done. You know, that's that's how I feel about it. I agree. I agree for sure, man. I'm, the good thing is we were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, you know. So with this type of move and moves that are yet to come, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll talk more in the next few weeks. And I believe that we'll be a stronger team. You know, when yeah, we lost. Absolutely. So um, if we definitely have the chance to take the Cavs down next year, that's another stepping stone. You know, I'm trying to look at all the stepping stones that we've had to take in the past five years from being the 14th best team in the East five years ago to now yeah. being the number one seed this year. So, you know, exactly. I'm very, very glad with the steps that they've gone to take. And, um, you know, there's only one way to go from, from here. Yeah. Well, no one like uh, in about a week. Maybe less than that. Mm-hmm. Over the Thanks weekend. Thanks so much, JB, for your call. We My appreciate it, man. man. Thank yeah, you, man. That's Celtic talk, talk. That's Celtic talk. So I seize up. <laughs> Take care, bro. <laughs> man, we've had takes from a lot of teams, man. Nets, yeah. Knicks, Celtics, Lakers. Uh, it's definitely, definitely a good pot. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's an exciting time. Uh, as we had said before, and I also wanted to talk a little bit more about that Jimmy Butler trade. Um, we really didn't speak about mm-hmm. it too, too much. But, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I really feel like this is highway robbery, bro. Like, as soon as I heard about this deal, I'm like, really? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to make that type of deal and to keep your pick, but they gave them the 16th pick. The, <laughs> that That really blew my mind. How you didn't only get robbed with the guys that you brought in. Now, I'm not going to lie. Levine is a scorer, but it about stops there. And he tore his ACL last year. But yeah, but that's the thing. He's he not a guy. He's, he's not a guy that you can really build a team around. Jimmy Butler is that guy. But yeah. for the Wolves, man, now they got Cat, Butler, Wiggins. Mm-hmm going to be a young and exciting team next year, man. I'm really excited to watch them play. Yeah, the other thing with Levine, too, he's coming off an ACL injury, and then this upcoming year is his last year under contract, and he hasn't signed an extension yet. So you have him basically spending half the year getting healthy, trying to get himself into playing form, and then he's out the door, and now you got to make a decision if you're going to pay him up or not. So Very you got true. that. You got that. We don't know. I mean, maybe Chris Dunn was just in the wrong situation in Minnesota, but you know, he he's not that young. He played about I think he played like 3 years in college. He's 23. He's, he's 23 already. He he couldn't um he couldn't impress Thibodeau enough to take minutes from Rubio and Thibodeau nope. wasn't really interested in keeping Rubio, but yep. he decided a lot with him. Yeah, he started to stick with him because Dunn wasn't impressing him. And that was and that was Tibbs' pick. 
He picked Chris Dunn. He wanted a two-way point guard. He thought that that was his guy and, and Rubio was going to be out the door, but he couldn't, out, he couldn't get the minutes. So we'll have to see if maybe it was just a system. Maybe he'll shine in Chicago. We don't know yet, but that's one guy. So he's, he's, a, he's a boomer bust type of guy. And then you have Zach Levine. You're going to have to wait till he gets healthy again. And even when he's healthy, that first year after that ACL injury, you don't have your bounce like you did before. Takes he, he's not gonna he's not really gonna have that that bounce again until the following season, and yep. at that point you have if, to make you, if that if, bounce actually comes back. Right, I mean most of the guys they they do come back these days. Like I remember Shumper, he he was looking bad, but then he got his bounce back. A couple other All guys, right. but uh, what was that? No, no, no. I just said oh, yeah. Okay. That, that's true. Yeah, so we have to see, and the problem for them is they're gonna have to make a decision with him not necessarily being a hundred percent yet. So, and that's another boomer bust. And then, and they put a also, lot they on Laurie. Yeah, yeah Markkinen. They put pick, so much pressure on Markkinen. It's kind, it's kind of like the like the Knicks pick, where you could have gone another route and gotten a more established guy, especially since you just gave up Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you would. Yeah. If that was me. I would go with the most established guy at that point. But you right. didn't do that, and you no. also lost your 16th pick. So, I mean, they just lost across the board, left and right, uh, which brings us to our next segment. Uh, we were supposed to get into this a long time ago, but right. you know, a lot of calls, and we appreciate it for sure. But All the good. winners and losers of the NBA draft, which I really wanted to dive into, we'll start with the winners first. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with my first one, and I'm going to take the Philadelphia Sixers as my first winner of this draft. Over the past three years, they've had the third first and first overall picks and um it doesn't really get you know that was that was a great pick that they made mm-hmm. uh, it was a great yeah. compliment to play with Ben who obviously was hurt last year but um for sure he'll come back this year strong he's a pass first point guard he's like six foot ten or six foot nine something like that and uh right. Fultz is a guy who can score the ball he shoots so that's a very good complimentary uh one and two guard um, like I said before, I'm not sure why the Celtics backed off of faults. You know, they felt he wasn't that guy. But regardless, he's an excellent player, especially with this team. It's a young team. It's a good fit. And the Philadelphia core will be good for a very long time. Yeah, uh, they're clearly the winners. Um, they're one of the winners, you know. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, you know, I'm to be a little biased. I'm going to say that I think the Lakers were winners in this draft. And... First and foremost, not even just because they drafted Lonzo Ball, which was a good pick for them, but also um, how they were able to, you know, they they got an interesting value on that on that pick they got from the Nets, and then the pick they had from the Rockets, they flipped it for two more picks, who are yep. also some guys that are that are interesting. So, and you know, the Lakers have had a lot of good success with later later round, second round draft picks in the past. So it gives me uh, it gives me some confidence that you know they might have found some some more guys who can be good role players like like Larry Nance Jr. Yep. guys on that level you know so definitely um, on I, their way up yeah I thought they were winners and you know obviously Minnesota was winners because not only did they get Jimmy Butler on draft night they got a high value pick at 16 absolutely yeah and absolutely the Kings, I, the Kings I think were a good were, that was were good too. That, that that was my next point as well. Nobody really talks about them that much, but they are in a rebuilding mode. Um, 
they were able to they had the five and the ten when they went into this draft. With the five pick, they got De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, a lot of guys try to he has comps to like John Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's an athlete. He plays both sides of the ball, and we know what he did to Lonzo Ball. So I'm not gonna say speak too much about that. I don't want to hurt you, <laughs> but that was a great game, a good matchup between the both of them. But he definitely showed what he can do. So I think that was the best pick for them at five. Uh, the Kings they have not been to the playoffs since 2006. So you know it's definitely about that time where they kind of get on that ball and keep trying to build up and build up and build up. And they traded away the number 10 pick, which I thought was very smart because with oh, the 15th yeah. and the 20th pick, they were able to get Justin Jackson, who was a Tar Heel last year. And now Rudy Gay, he opted out of his um, contract. So there you go. Jackson will fill in right there at the three. He's a guy who scored 18 points a game last year with the Tar Heels, 37% from three. So that'll definitely be a guy that can have an immediate impact for this Kings team, as well as Fox. And then at 20, they went and got Harry Giles from Duke, who he's been hurt, but his talent is there. And he definitely has the potential. If he's healthy, bro, he's going to be a beast. And I'm finally glad that they're finally making the right moves. Um, So... The Kings definitely winners in this trade. They got solid guys. They got three draft picks in the first 20 picks in a mm-hmm. loaded draft class. So I definitely like what they did. And another young team that's going to be exciting to see them play next year. Yeah, their second-round pick wasn't too bad either. That could be a decent backup point guard for them, Frank yep. Mason. Frank so Mason, that's true. They, and those are all high-character high guys, like, Dan Fox, he's a gym rat, he's a gamer. Justin Jackson, he spent two or three years, I think, at North Carolina. You know, high character character guy under Roy Williams. Harry Giles went to Duke. Frank Mason, Kansas. You know, all these guys come from schools that good you know programs. They, good programs. You know, so and, and these are and they and the guys they, they got like outside of Darren Fox, I don't think. Or oh, Harry Giles, yeah, but he's a, you know, he came in later in, but, you know, Mason and Jackson, they're not one-and-done guys. They're guys that yep. spent a couple of years in college, so. Polished you know, the game a little bit. Yeah, they're bringing in guys that are going to help the locker room, too, but are also uh, talented guys. For sure. There's also two more teams that I want to speak about. Uh, the Hornets, they drafted Malik Monk. He fell to the 11th slot, um, and Crazy. that was a good pick for them. I don't know how he fell but he fell right into their lap. He fits that need. They need shooters on that team. They made that trade for Dwight, which we still don't know what that would be. You know, it seems to be when Dwight was such a beast and now he's going from team to team to team to team, but he's still a double, double kind of guy and he can definitely help that team. So another team that I'm excited to see to watch them play as well as my team, the Celtics. Yes. They got their man, Jason Tatum with the number three pick. What I like is that he can play the three and he can play the four in small ball. So we kind of had that uh, that need at the four, and I kind of think that he'll be able to have that impact at the four. Maybe within the first, like, 20 games, they'll put him in, slot him in at the four. You know, of course, it's all based upon what goes down over the next few weeks. But they said he's the most polished scorer in this draft, and I was watching a lot of clips of this guy, and he has a lot of moves uh, he also good, shoots good free throws, which is very important as well. 
and uh, he can definitely be a defensive threat due to his length and his size. So overall, you know, at first glance, I wanted to make the trade, but I'm very satisfied with the pick, and, you know, I felt like we won on that end. So to get to some losers, obviously the Bulls, number one, they lost Jimmy Butler. They didn't get back enough value for that type of guy, uh, which we already discussed. Also, the Magic as well. Uh, my opinion, Jonathan Isaac, I do not feel he's a good guy for that team, especially that they have Aaron Gordon, who hasn't really yeah. worked out for them. He's a six foot ten guy. He can't really shoot from the outside. You know, this is a three-point shooting league now, so I'm not really too sure what their plan is, but I felt like they definitely lost. But I do like the fact that he's from the Bronx, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my losers was um, – the Pistons, their one and only pick, they used <laughs> to draft Luke Kennard. I really didn't get that pick. No. First of all, they're they're in a they're on a that's a team that's starving for playmakers. And Kennard yep. is not gonna do anything unless you set him up and get him off screens, off a of pin down or something system. like that. Yeah, he's gotta be in a good system where he has a good point guard that can find him. Uh and then I, I felt like personally I think the Trailblazers were losers for making that trade up with the Kings to get Zach Collins. Right. right. I, 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 I don't think Zach Collins is the type of player you trade two picks for. It reminds me a lot of when the Bulls made that trade up to get Doug McDermott. It like, yeah. seems like the same exact trade to me. Didn't like, make you, sense. You get, all, you get all, you know, hot and bothered about this kid that, that can shoot a little bit in college, and then he, he went, you end up finding out that he can't get any separation, he can't get his own shot off. Or whatever. So I, I didn't like I didn't like what they did. Um, those were the two main ones. I, I kind of like was uh, not really feeling what they were doing there. Um, I I know you said the Celtics were winners. I, I'm gonna leave that as a uh, incomplete. It's all right, bro. It's all right. It's That's all right. It. I'm gonna give them, them losers. You can call them losers. No, you know what? I'm not gonna call them <laughs> losers because um, question mark question mark. Yeah, it's an incomplete. Because CBD. this their, their draft night would have looked a lot better to me if they ended up with Paul George or Jimmy Butler at the end of the night. Because to me that was to me that was the reason to trade down at number three. I never felt that's true. I, I never believed they were trading down to number three so that they could actually draft the player. I felt like they traded down to number three so they could get a couple more assets and also yep. um, just because of optics, it wouldn't have looked as crazy if they traded the number three plus some other stuff as opposed to trading the number one. Because yeah. they weren't, you weren't gonna get Butler or Paul George just for the number one pick. So it would have looked a little crazy to give the number one pick plus some other players to get one of those guys. But Very you know, the number, but the number three pick with some future yeah. assets and some players that seems to make more sense. And plus, you know, Danny Ainge got to put a little more draft pick change in his pocket at, to still have after he made that trade, you know? Yeah. So that that's why I'm going to give it an incomplete now. No, it makes if, sense. It makes sense. You know, now if the summer goes how they want and they and they able to sign Gordon Hayward and now after they sign him, they go and make the trade because now their cap situation is set, then okay. You know, and, and if, you know, Tatum's involved in that trade or whatever, okay, then, hey, you, that was a good move. 
Now, if they go into next season and, you know, they sign Hayward and they just stand pat and, and then you've got to try in five minutes for, for Hayward, Tatum, Brown, and Crowder, you know, I, I'm going to think Ainge got a little ahead of himself, to be honest. Very true. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. My last two losers, um, Markel Fultz's shoes that were made of <laughs> basketballs, I thought that was terrible. Those were terrible shoes. And, and his suit um, jacket was worse. His suit jacket was yeah. really worse. So. Yeah, for sure. And uh, also, um, LeVar Ball, I know he is who he is, but, uh, yeah, I don't like him. And he's a loser as well, just across nah, the board. He was the winner he's, of the night, man. Nah, he's, he's a loser. He looked like life, a prophet, man. He looked like a prophet <laughs> that night. Everybody's gassing him up like, oh, you called it. He sat there with the purple and gold, big baller brand hat the whole time. <laughs> told him that yeah. Zeus, <laughs> Zeus told yeah, him that was, the Lakers. Yeah, he, he went a little and, off, off the wall and, with that one. Then he went, <laughs> then he went full, he went full WWE, and he threw the hat into the crowd as he was getting booed. <laughs> that was perfect, man. He won, uh, he won the night. I'm sorry. All right, all right, all right. I'll give you that one. All right, real quick, yeah. rapid fire. We're gonna go through these. NBA free agents of 2017. I'm going to say one name. You let me know where you think that they'll go. All right? All right. All right. All right. Gordon Hayward. Boston Celtics. Blake Griffin. L.A. Clippers. Chris Paul. L.A. Clippers. Kyle Lowry. Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to go with the obvious ones, but just to make sure. Uh, KD. KD. Oh, he's staying. He's staying. Steph. Steph. Yeah, he's staying. They got the chip. They're both staying. Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose. San Antonio. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Uh, I want to see who cares, but let me find an actual team. <laughs> um... I'll say Miami. Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala. Hmm. You know what? So, some team is going to overpay him. Clippers. Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. Hmm. Nets. Brooklyn Nets. I can see that happening. And I think that will be a good look for them as well. Uh, yeah. Paul Gasol. Does he stay with the Spurs? No, no, because they're going to use that money elsewhere. Uh, Pau Gasol, maybe uh, Atlanta. Not too bad, not too bad. All right, Calvin, it's been great. I definitely appreciate you coming on to the show. Uh, We had a lot of fun, man, and uh, we're excited uh, definitely, you guys have to check out Calvin's podcast, Pace and Space podcast, found on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, and I'll be back sure. on next week post-free agency. So after July 1st, hopefully we have some more moves to talk about, and uh, we can go from there. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, and uh, sure. you enjoy the rest of your night. Good night, everybody. Take care.